y'all. This is John and Mike back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast live streaming on Millions. Um, I do want to shout out right off the top the um, we are doing a Calling the Dog segment every game preview episode. And if you're drunk and funny enough, we'll even put it in in the recap episode. And what that is is when you give us a call on this number, leave a voicemail, and we want your most outrageous Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, like WWE promo, trash talk, all of the above. I mean, you can even throw Conor McGregor style in there because he kind of took it from them. But mm-hmm. we want that, and then at the end of the game... If you're drunk, if you're obnoxious, like we expect you to be, and funny, it's more important, call and leave us a voicemail then as well. But I'll go ahead and throw out the number for the Call in the Dog segment, and that is 678-465-8020. So, please do that. You'll get on the show. Um, it'll, be, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. It'll be a good time. Mm-hmm. Um... Also, off the top here, we've talked about it over the last couple of weeks, but we are doing a watch party for the Florida at Utah game this week on Thursday, so don't forget to keep an eye out for that link in the next few days to join in on that watch party with us. But I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. Um, there's a hurricane with potential 70-mile-an-hour winds coming for my house on Thursday. Um so I may not have power to watch the game, let alone live stream the game, but we'll keep y'all updated as it goes on for that. Um, and if you hear noises in the background, I do have a couple of fans on right now because our air conditioner has been out since uh, Friday night. And it's hot as fuck in Savannah, if you didn't know that. So, so I'm over here in a tank top sweating what little bit of ass I got off. You got that Hank Hill ass? Oh, no. So, so um, what happened is I heard that joke where I laughed my ass off and it never came back. Oh, man. And then what little bit I had left, I sweated off in the last two days. You know, it being August and Savannah, my air's out. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you hear some extra noise in the background, please forgive me. I'm trying to not have a heat stroke. Uh, while recording tonight. So I hope I get a little bit of grace for that. Um, but what, so, For what it's worth, I don't hear anything. So it makes should be alright. Because I do have two fans pointed right at me. Ah, there we go. Um, so tonight we are going over a couple of the Week Zero games and some interesting things that I, you know, at least I thought were interesting. From week zero hopefully you guys did too um and then we're going to give our best season long bets for the 2023 football season and then we're gonna do a little florida utah talk in this episode as well because by the time we record on wednesday it'll kind of be late to uh to talk about that game even though it's on thursday um so that's what we got on the slate tonight but before we get to all of that how's your weekend and what are you drinking weekend was pretty shitty everybody in our house is really sick um, today's, today's the first day since probably Thursday that I felt even close to like 90%. So, um, but 
you know, wife, a uh, couple kids not feeling great um, at the moment. So uh, not not too great. Uh, as far as what I'm drinking, it's just water, trying to hydrate a little bit uh, as much as I can. I wanted to be able to drink, but it's it's just not going to happen. Uh, how about you? Um, well, I already kind of talked about it. Um, Friday, we went out to dinner with some friends, went to a uh, really cool bar in Savannah called Move Rights. They have candle pin bowling inside of the bar. So we did that for a little bit. Um, got home 10, 30, 11 o'clock, something like that. And our house was 80 degrees. Um, not ideal. Not no, on purpose. No. Um, but I was like, okay, I know the problem. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to go get some parts and fix it. One thing I did not account for, um, you know, living across the street from the saltwater marsh is that the fan blade of my AC unit on the outside would be welded with rust to the motor. Mm. So I got a new motor and I was like, cool, I'll just swap the I'll swap the fan from one motor to the other. I'll be good. Um I got a torch out. Could not move it. Oh no. And by the time I realized that it's probably worth just spending the 50, 100 bucks on a, on a second fan, um, the parts warehouse was closed for the weekend. Of course. So I am actually taking tomorrow off of work to attempt to get our air fix. So, so weekend, not great. Um, then yesterday we went to Slush Fest out at Two Tides where all they have is, you know, like 30 different alcoholic slushies to choose from. Super cool, had a ton of fun. Somebody walked up to our table and just handed us tickets to a Blink-182 cover band that was playing in Savannah a block away. We were like, Hell yeah. okay, cool, we'll go to that. On the ticket, it said, door at 7, show at 8. So we showed up at 7.55. Would you like to guess what time the band actually started playing? And it's a cover band, too. So I'm going to say 9, because even that's ridiculous. 9.30. Uh, yeah, that's... Mm. If I was not already drunk, I would have left. But I was yeah. like, you know what? <laughs> we got free tickets. We're here. We're having a good mm. time hanging out. Let's just kind of see how it goes. Not, did, did, anybody, did anybody just feel like like belting out, where are you? Like no. the entire fucking time, like before they came up? No. Um, that would have been, been a good one to do, yeah. but no. Um, and the band came on and they weren't great. So. Well, I mean, it was free, I guess. Shit. It was, it was to the point where we were so upset that we waited an hour and a half for a band that wasn't like, don't be wrong. The music was good, but the the lead singer should not have been the lead singer. The guy that was singing backup was a better singer than the lead singer. Hmm. Hmm. I yep. Don't don't get well, that. Is that kind of like the real Blink One Eighty Two? Well, so here's the thing: the guy that was singing backup sounded more like Tom DeLonge than the guy that was lead singing. Hmm. Working out some kinks. Um, yeah, so we left after three songs and went home. 
Well, I mean, it wasn't like you had like an air conditioned house to come back to, so there's not. It wasn't really a hurry. Yeah, yeah. Also, that um, thanks to our hurricane prep kit, we got together last year. We did have a window unit, so all, my wife and I and our three dogs and a cat have been sleeping in one room, um, which not great, not no, not enjoyable. Um, but we did have some friends of ours let us borrow their window units for a couple of days. So now we have three window units going in the house to try to keep it below 80 degrees. Mm. Damn. Uh, damn. <laughs> I, I have nothing else to add to that. I can't, can't imagine, especially in the middle or well, the end of fucking August yeah. here. Not not great. Um, so I am actually finishing a very large water heater, and then I've got some uh, Jefferson's Ocean aged at sea double barrel rye. I had it last year. I know I drank it on the show a number of times last year, um, but honestly, it's low proof, and I do not need very much alcohol right now, considering how hot it is. Yeah. So, so I'll be switching back and forth between that and water. Right on. Alright, guys. Are y'all ready to talk about these great Week Zero games? Before we even get into it, I, I'm i curious as to why more teams don't try to schedule Week Zero games. Why does it have to be Fandy and Hawaii and USC and a team that put up way too many points on them? Like, a few years ago, Florida and uh, Miami did it, and that was, I mean, that game was awful, but at least it was some name-brand teams. You know, I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of big teams playing on Week Zero. And the biggest reason I say that is, for the longest time, Week Zero was some of these like mid-major programs' time to shine. It was yeah. some of these names that you hear about, but if given the option of another game to watch on a fall Saturday, you're not watching that team. Yeah. But when bigger names start having games on week zero teams or people watch those games instead of those like for example if navy wasn't playing in dublin zero like zero people would want tune into that game intentionally fair yeah that's a good point and you know that let everybody have an opportunity. Like, USC scheduling a Week Zero game, and we'll get to why they said they did it in a minute. But that's trashy. Mm. Like, you don't need extra eyes. You don't need it. I would I would say, though, like, isn't there a... The benefit of doing it is that you get an extra bye week. And, like, someone like Hawaii, which we'll talk about in a little bit, like, they actually are playing 13 games instead of 12. You do get an extra bye at a minimum if you choose to not... Again, do a 13th game. So there's some tangible benefit to it if you, and you can start fall camp a little bit earlier in preparation for it. But I agree with you. I mean, a couple of name brand teams there, but they're not, there's not like a marquee matchup necessarily that you like, you had to ever have to like make sure that you're in front of the TV for. Like you can just kind of check in on it um, every once in a while and not always spend playing your whole day around it, which is fine. It's a good way to ease into it. Yeah. Yeah, so so I do want to go ahead and start leading off with USC because I have I have a lot of takes about about USC from this game, um, and the first is USC is mentally weak as fuck. 
I know before I've said Ohio State might be the mentally weakest team in the country. USC took that from them. Yeah. Like, straight up mugged Ohio State for uh, for this title that we are handing out. So, and the reason I say that, USC scheduled San Jose State for week zero with the entire purpose of having the week before the potential conference championship game off. Oh, really? Yes, Lincoln Riley came out and said that before the game. So they're uh, so they're not actually playing a game like rival, rivalry week. Correct. What the fuck? Yes. Good. You so, know what? Oh. So <laughs> That's Lincoln awful. Riley said he felt comfortable telling people this fact. He said that for the last three seasons, the week before the conference championship game has been a no win, no win situation for him and his team. So he is choosing to not play a game. Oh my god. That <laughs> That is weak. Oh my god. So I went back and looked. The only time a Lincoln Riley coach team has lost in rivalry week was to Oklahoma State in 2021 and that was because they don't play defense and Oklahoma State had a phenomenal outside linebacker. They almost they should have made the playoff that year Oklahoma State, right? Or maybe yeah. Right? Or was that 2020? I'd have to go back and look. I, you know, 2021 was the reason that I was so high on Oklahoma State last year because I watched a few of their games in 2021. I saw what their defense was able to do with... uh, He went to Ohio State for the last season um, and Spencer Uh, Sanders. But, mm -hmm. yeah, Lincoln Riley legitimately felt comfortable enough to tell the Pac-12 reporter that... They scheduled a week zero game, so they didn't have to play the week before the conference championship, and that for the last three seasons, the week before the conference championship game has been a no way, no win situation for him and his team. That's that is insane. Okay, I, wow, I'm speechless. I really, I'm <laughs> wow. That's okay. That's softer than baby shit. Mm-hmm. Like. like you know, I get he's moved out to L.A. and, you know, he was already soft. It, he is softer than he wanted to play off his brisket being soft because that was some of the toughest shit I'd ever seen a picture of. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I, we're just being, we're trying to be honest here. That's what we do. And uh, if I'm being honest, I, you know... Say in 20 years I have a kid that is getting recruited to play college football, I will not let my child attend a Lincoln-Riley University. It's probably a good call. I He, he might not have enough grit to last that long. I don't think he does. I You know, I think he'll go burn out in the NFL here in the next couple of years and then, mm-hmm. you know, just retire. Or pull the Cliff Kingsbury and have a couple good years in college, go to the NFL, burn out, and then become an analyst for a friend of yours because uh, Cliff Kingsbury is now an offensive analyst for USC. He couldn't have landed in a better spot for him. I don't know what he's going to actually help with, but, uh, I mean, okay. So an offensive analyst to be an on-the-field coach, as they showed him yesterday – with a play calling sheet in his hand and headphones on 
and covering his mouth while the offense was on the field. I almost think he's calling plays, and they just don't want to say that out loud. Um, just just can throw that out there. Maybe maybe because it was on the Pac-12 network, no, and nobody could really see it unless you were pirating it. Uh, maybe he thought he can get away with it. Because I didn't notice that either. I was kind of in and out of that game. Well, too. I do have a pirate ship tattoo on my arm. So, you know, I watched the game. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yar. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... Get the fuck out of here, Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. And also, the um, the favorite to win the Pac-12 gave up 28 points to Mountain West San Jose State. It's making me regret that that pick uh, from last week talking with Connor already. I know it's an overreaction. It's only week zero, but good God. Well, here's the wildest thing. They showed that six foot seven inside linebacker that I love to talk about all the time. Dude mm. lost weight this offseason. Yeah, you lose weight to play on the inside. That makes a lot of sense. So okay. San Jose State had two long touchdowns on the first string defense. Three total touchdowns on the first string defense. Two long touchdowns. By long, I mean more than 28 yards. Hmm. And um, San Jose State's quarterback went 21-38, had three touchdown passes, and San Jose State had a running back get 108 yards on six carries. That's pretty good. That That is very good um, for San Jose State. But for a team that loves to whine about, you know, oh, we didn't get the benefit of the doubt, this is why. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is why no one believes in Lincoln Riley outside of Colorado and mainstream sports media. I don't, I don't understand it in any way, shape, or form. Um... In the first quarter, San Jose State quarterback scrambled untouched 28 yards to convert on a third and 22. And he could have got more than that. That was uh, that was like the first play I think I turned on uh, when uh, um, when I thought about looking for the game. Yeah. So so you put this in here, but if Bear Alexander is correct, Georgia could be in for a long season if uh, Georgia and USC had the same level of physicality. Also. You know, just going to throw him under the bus for some shit he said recently. I don't know what he can't trust about what he was told about the University of Georgia, considering they had an entire defensive line drafted in the first round over the last two seasons. They won mm-hmm. back-to-back national championships. And, I, you know, the dude played half of the, play, half of the Peach Bowl, most of the national championship game. Like, you're a freshman. You're, you're not going to play every snap in a team full of five stars on defense. So I'm not sure what he was told and why he said he can't trust anybody. Um, but you know who you can't trust? Lincoln Riley saying he's going to field a defense. 
I wonder if he he got like the he he was thinking about or like he thought he heard something about being promised a spot, but as we know, you know, the last eight years is like not, nothing is promised, even to you know the number one recruit in the country or whatever coming in. So I don't know why he would think he's any different. Yeah, and and Kirby has said you know, and this could act, absolutely be coach speak. Kirby said on multiple occasions he does not promise starting spots to anybody. What he promises is the opportunity for competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I get it to an extent. If you have the potential for big NIL money wanting to go to L.A., but if you're going to college to play on a good team and win championships, Lincoln Riley is not the head coach you want. Um, and if you guys are not out on USC strictly because of their defense or total lack thereof at this point, what are you doing? Uh, I, I mean, it really it's un, it's unbelievable how I got duped into it. I really I, I'm, I'm hoping I, I'm just hoping that they end up outscoring everybody like I kind of had talked about last week. But even at that point, I mean, if you're putting up, I guess they're going to put up 30, 38 points this game, but they're going to have to score 50 a game if they want to even sniff the playoff. Offense is good enough to get them there, but are they going to win a game in the playoff? No, not a chance. I don't think anybody would pick that. It's this. It, I mean, it's one of those things of where. The whole quote, what's the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Mm. Like, if you are picking Lincoln Riley's team to make the playoff or expecting them to field a defense or expecting them to compete with teams that can field a defense, what, what are you doing? Mm. And I'm not specifically talking to you because the Pac-12 is fairly weak. So for yeah. them to make the conference championship game is not out of the question. I just, like, you see them all the time in playoff projections, and the question is why? What have they shown you for you to think, yeah, a team that gave up 28 points to San Jose State's definitely going to make the playoff this year? It's just the colors. It, that's all it is. It's just easy. It's been too long since they've been there. People are ready for them to be back. They, they you know, hear, think about Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and all that. Don't be it's wrong. USC to be good. They're going to make the playoff in 2024. No doubt about it. There's 12 teams that make it, and I highly doubt that USC will be out of the top 12. Uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, especially if if this were to happen, if, if they would have went to the 12-team playoff this year, for sure they would have got in, no problem. But even being in the Big Ten, they oh, might be the fourth-best right. team at, at best. Next year, I don't know. Unless, unless he does, unless Lincoln Riley does a Deion Sanders like turnaround on that defense of just like, come here, you'll play for every good player on defense in the transfer portal, and gets rid of his defensive coordinator. I believe his name's Alex Grinch. Like that, yes. Alex, is it Alex Grinch? I don't know. I'm not sure, but that. That's hilarious. Whoever, Still their, playoff chances. whoever Lincoln Riley's defensive coordinator is, is he he is the defensive version of Iowa's offensive coordinator. 
You know what they should do? Just be, just say fuck it. Go out. Um, I'm sure Todd Grantham isn't doing anything worth a damn. Just make. <laughs> if you're gonna be bad, go all the way. I, yeah, if you're gonna be bad, get some sacks and interceptions to go along with it, right? Yeah, make it a little bit exciting on that side of the ball. I mean, you you know, go cover zero and just <laughs> all out blitz and just get the beat all the time. But they'll get home every once in a while. All right, so I think we're going to move on. From- it is Alex Grinch, you're right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex Grinch is um, Ferentz Jr. on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. I do think we're going to go ahead and move on because I could roast USC forever and people that believe in USC forever just because Lincoln Riley refuses to play a defensive side of the ball and that just kind of is what it is. But we're going to go on to uh, Navy versus Notre Dame, the game in Dublin. Just off the top, one of the weird things that I saw for this game was um, it was a partially open-air stadium. Like, not all of the field was open, and it was Hmm. raining for the entire game. So, like, three-quarters of the field was getting weird, considering that, you know, whether you're in the, you know, the UK or Ireland, like, where, you know, it rains just as much as it does in, say, like, somewhere like Seattle, which also has a partially, you know, covered stadium. It it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, but they're normally playing soccer there, which I, I, you know, as an ignorant American, I'm not sure, but I don't believe the rain has as much of an effect on soccer as it does football because you're not tackling people or gripping the ball with your hand to throw it. Yeah. So so I can kind of get it for that. Um, it's just still weird. Yeah. So I will say that this game was my first miss of the season. I did say the USC game over and was correct on that. I personally won money on that. Um I want to say I said Navy would cover the 20 and a half because most of their games have been close. Don't exactly remember. We're going to start keeping up with our bets as of next week. Um, but regardless, Navy pushed, or Notre Dame pushed Navy around on both sides of the line of scrimmage, which is something they did not do for most of last season. Navy had two different running backs with touchdowns on the day. Sam Hartman had an efficient day. It wasn't necessarily what we had come to expect with his time at Wake Forest being prolific every time the ball was in his hands. But he had a good day. You know, the he Irish had four Hall- touchdown passes. Yeah. He, yeah did, he didn't have a ton of yards. He didn't have a lot, yeah. a lot of long passes. Mm-hmm. But he had four touchdowns. He had a good completion percentage. He had, I want to say, 250 yards passing or something, which is like 100 less than his average at Wake Forest. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's an entirely different offense than we're used to seeing him play in. But I do think this new offense is going to help him when it comes to the draft this year. I think he's going to shoot up draft boards showing that he can – play in this style of offense because we've all known he's a good quarterback, but a lot of time air raid quarterbacks don't do extremely well in the NFL. Mm. Um, one thing that really disappointed me about Navy is that they had a change from top to bottom of the coaching staff and still ran the triple option. Um, they attempted we, six, six Maybe passes. they're scared. 
<laughs> Sorry. No, I, I didn't hear you. What did you say? Oh, I said maybe, maybe they're going to let Army uh, figure it out and just like test the waters a little bit uh, first with uh, them going to it. What kind of offense is Army going to? Are they, I mean, it's definitely not an air raid, but, but it's more of a spread? I think it's more of a spread. Potentially air raid. Um, I haven't done near as yeah. much research as I should have on it. Um, that would be wild to see how how different that's going to be. I mean, I'm kind of excited to check in on them, but yes, yeah, they should have they should have did something differently. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean for Navy to change coaching staff top to bottom, and a big part of that is they've lost the Army in that game for uh, most of the last five years. But to change coaching staff from top to bottom and run the exact same plays, it's so disappointing. I, you know, y'all know by now I have a soft spot for service academies, including Navy, even though they're trash. Um, but damn! Why? I was hoping that would be close. I mean, that was really that was the first game that was on TV. So, yes. you know, hoping for the best, and then it was just complete blowout do better navy yeah do better oh the thing we've done for the ever isn't working let's fire our coach and do something different oh no let's fire our coach and do the exact same thing yeah (laughs) why um go ahead no so yeah it doesn't make any sense yeah i frustrated beyond belief and so this game wasn't as visually entertaining as we had hoped, with the exception that it was the first college football game of the season on television. Mm-hmm. But I do think it shows that Notre Dame is actually going to be a good team this year, leaving behind the close games of last season. Because yep. last season, this was a one-possession win for Navy, 35-32, or Notre Dame. 35-32 over Navy. Obviously, they lost to Marshall. They had a close game early in the season to another bad team. And then, you know, I I truly think that this is kind of turning the page for them. New offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. It's an exciting time for uh, Irish fans. The problem is, until you join a conference, you're not going to be taken seriously unless everybody else is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... You put this one in here, so I'll let you go ahead with this. Yeah. So, one 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 comment, especially for those of us that you know paid paid attention or pay attention to NFL uh, quite a bit. Uh, the uh, commentator for one of the game or for the game, I think he was doing color, was uh, Jason Garrett, former Cowboys head coach. Uh, serial just hand clapper. That's really all he did on the sideline, just doing that over and over. <laughs> no real actual coaching. He's more of a cheerleader, but. I think I don't I don't remember what quarter it was in, but Notre Dame was up by at least two scores, maybe three at this point. I think it was like twenty one nothing at that point. Um, but he, I'm, I'm third and short. Jason Garrett had the balls to say, "I think Navy's going to run it here." <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! You think Navy's going to run the ball in the triple option offense? You, you really going out on a limb there? And just because he went to Princeton does not make you smart. No. No, absolutely not. If he weigh, if he um, if he were that smart, he would have realized at some point that running the same offense he did year after year in the NFL wasn't working. 
Um, mm-hmm. If he was that intelligent, he would have realized that a lot of his draft picks were trash. Um, and I do understand as a head coach in the NFL for the Cowboys, you are just figurehead and Jerry Jones is the actual head coach of the team because like Arthur Blank, he refuses to leave the team alone, which is mm-hmm. one of the reasons that neither of them has sniffed success in quite a long time. Um, I just, man, Jason Garrett, disappear for a few years. Let us forget how terrible you are. And then- I think... I- I think they're going to end up putting him on the Big Ten games, like the really bad ones that are just on Peacock, because he's not, obviously, he's not their their 1A, like, commentating team. Good. Hopefully. Okay with that. They just, they tuck him away there. Yeah, put him on Indiana Northwestern. That'll be, that'll be solid mm-hmm. for him and the 10 mm-hmm. people watching. Yeah. All right, you ready to, uh, to go Hawaii, Vandy? I think we actually have a good bit of actual game talk on this one yeah so first take is hawaii is going to severely miss ray davis and mike wright this season and i Mm -hmm. understand that mike wright was not that great of a passer but what he did give you was oh the play's breaking down i'm just going to run for 30 yards and that's something that a team like vandy i think needs um Second takeaway is Hawaii is going to be much better than they were in that 2022 season. They went 3-9 and nine last season, and it... God, was I drunk when I wrote this? Um, and if they play their Mountain West games as well as they played against Vandy last night, I think five wins is going to be a for-sure thing, maybe six. And uh, Stanford may be on upset alert here in the next couple of weeks. I I had talked about it at the bottom because I didn't realize you had that right there. But, but they looked way more comfortable running the uh, run-and-shoot offense um, compared to this time last year with uh, Timmy Chang. They, they looked like, again, they got more comfortable throughout the season, but they seemed a lot better off this year than they did even in the first half of last season. Um like you said, their win total, uh, Hawaii's win total is still three and a half. And again, I, I think I talked about this earlier, but they do play 13 games. I don't know if you know that's gone up or down. I think they probably kept it the same afterward. But you know, three winning four games, playing as well as they did against you know, granted the worst, probably more than likely the worst SEC team in the uh, in the league, gives you uh, any uh, Hawaii fans hope that they'll be be able to win at least four games. Jumping ahead, put I'm gonna go ahead and say Hawaii over four wins is one of my favorite bets of the season. Yeah, there we go. Because we'll go ahead and get into it. They may have struggled in the run game um, significantly, never got anything going. But Braden Schrager, 77.1% completion percentage on 35 attempts and 351 yards and three touchdowns on the day. He did throw two interceptions. One of the ones I saw because I was flipping between games, but one of the ones that I saw was 100% a tip pass that was intercepted. So I don't think tip passes that are intercepted should count towards a quarterback, but is what it is. But this guy should throw it back to our puncher's chance series, should be able 
to tear up some Mountain West defenses this year. I have a lot of confidence in what he's going to be able to do now that he's comfortable in that offense. And, I mean, keep this in mind, too. So there's a weather delay in uh, in Nashville. And also, and I, I don't know how, how much you looked into it with, uh, I know everyone saw the pictures of the Vanderbilt Stadium being, you know, remodeled and everything, how they have the scoreboard hanging from cranes and all that. Uh, they don't have a visitor's locker room. They got changed in tents, and he still threw for 351 yards and three touchdowns. They got they got dressed in tents, and there was a lightning delay. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> and assuming they were in won. tents or in one of the, like, maybe they just walked inside of one of the concourses of the stadium. I don't really know. Well, it wasn't like there was that many people there, so they could have very well just got <laughs> changed by the uh, popcorn stand or whatever, and nobody would have noticed. That's fair. That's fair. I, you know, what he was able to do with that offense and really only had two receivers to throw to was mm-hmm. great. Like, it was it was fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. For the Vandy side of things, A.J. Swan had a 63.3% completion percentage on... 30 attempts, thrown for 258 yards and three touchdowns with zero interceptions. Um, But they also struggled very much to get the ground game going. Will Shepard, their wide receiver, Mm -hmm. is going to be very good this year. Stud. I will go ahead and say Will Shepard is probably going to be a better receiver than maybe not statistically, but if you actually watch the way they play, I think Will Shepard is better than anybody Florida has on their team. I don't think that's that far out there, yeah. Um, I will say the most difficult thing about trying to like this Vandy team this year is their O-line gave up three sacks against Hawaii and could not get the run game going against Hawaii. Not a good sign. Not not great. No, no, not ideal. Especially when you play in the SEC. Like, you want your offensive line to look very good against bad teams. Or mm-hmm. perceived bad teams. You know, you never know how a team's going to play at week 12 when they're in week zero. But, but, uh, not, not looking great for Vandy's offensive line. Defensive line looked good enough to keep Hawaii's ground game pretty much shut out throughout the game. Um, But I will say if it were not for Vandy getting a kick return touchdown, this game would have gone into overtime because Vanderbilt was still trying to score at the end of the game and just couldn't. So Uh, It might be a long season for them. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that I have not posted our helmet schedules just yet. I was planning on doing that probably tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. I may I may change one or two of my Vandy picks after how poorly they played. I don't good. think I had them hitting the over, so I, um I think I'm good with it. I think before I had them winning five games. See they. Uh... Uh, I don't know, Wake Forest is going to be tough, Alabama, uh, I don't know, we're not going to get into the whole Vandy schedule, no one, no one wants to listen to that, but it's going to be tough to find those uh, find those five, for sure. Yes, no, and, you know, I want to say their win total, I didn't look it up, 
I think it's. I think half. it's three and a half. I was about to say three and a half. Maybe they still hit three and a half. I mean, they're they're one and zero right now, and they have a few easy games coming up. But I think it's going to be tough. If it is three and a half, they could be over by the middle of September. But it's tough. Yes. At Wake Forest, at UNLV, then getting into the SEC schedule. It's going to be better hope to do it by September 16th or else it ain't going to happen. We said that last year, but they did beat Kentucky and Florida. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's in Florida, but it's at Kentucky is at home. And I still got into the schedule. Damn it, I said I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, closing that out. There we go. All right. So that was kind of all we thought was uh, was interesting enough to talk about from week zero because there was a lot of not very entertaining games that were played. Ooh, um, Rich Rich Rodriguez got the first FBS win for uh, Jacksonville State in their program history. So shout out Rich Rod. Shout out Rich Rod. You know, if you can't do something right at the first twenty programs you go to, maybe the twenty first is it. I've always said he's a program builder, and you know. He's a builder and destroyer. You either mm-hmm. way you want to look at it. Yep. So we're gonna go into our best season long bets, and that's gonna be national championship, season over unders, conference title odds, all that fun stuff. So until we get to season win totals, all these are gonna be off of my bookie. Um, just throwing that out there. But I personally do not vote or uh, do not place money on preseason Heisman odds because it's a crapshoot until November. So I I don't do it. If you guys want me to talk about it, let us know and we can attempt to throw some stuff in here. I just, I mean, just throwing a little shade at Florida early here. Graham Merck's first game of his career threw for five touchdowns, and looked like he was a potential Heisman contender. September Heisman. September Heisman. You know, Hendon Hooker won the October Heisman Mm -hmm. this past year. I just... Maybe we'll talk about it when November rolls around. Sounds good. So, national title odds are interesting to me this year. Obviously, we know Georgia has the best odds. We've talked about it a few times. They are currently at plus 216, which has actually gone down slightly from the plus 230 it was a few weeks ago. I think that's pretty interesting considering who the next few teams are. Um, before, uh, before you get into that, I think there was a prop with Caesars. I think I saw on ESPN that said, I, I think you know, a few days ago it had Georgia at plus 230 or literally anybody else at, I think, minus 300. So the field. Georgia plus 230, 130 teams minus 300. Yeah. Yep. Love it. Mm-hmm. It's um, the golden, golden era. Uh, yeah. Appreciate it now, guys. Like, mm-hmm. for real. Because... If you're anywhere close to our ages or older, we've seen some dark times. For sure. So, right behind Georgia in the national title odds is Alabama at plus 560, which I think is absolutely the worst bet if you're going to ask me. And if you're listening to us, you are asking me. 
But by now you guys know that I have absolutely no faith in the Alabama team this year due to their lack of proven talent, um, especially since they named Jalen Milrow as the starter for week one, which, you know... This is this is a guy that almost allowed a five and seven A and M team to beat them, and if Jimbo could call plays, they would have beaten Alabama last year. He's probably the taller, bigger wish version of Jalen Hurts that that has no passing ability. Except Jalen Hurts went to the Heisman ceremony in two thousand nineteen when he got put in a different offense. Lincoln Riley got him there. I. If Jalen Milrow was put on USC's team, you know what position he would play? Tight end, hmm. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Lincoln Riley's not putting Jalen Milrow at quarterback. Um, and to be clear, I have absolutely no doubt that Nick Saban will coach this team to more wins than they should have. Based on everything they have coming back, because you have Jalen Milrow at least starting the season at quarterback. Their best wide receiver is a guy named Jermaine Burton, who left Georgia because of lack of targets and playing time because he couldn't get open. They have Jason McClellan at running back, who is more of a wide receiver out of the backfield than he is a power running back, and considering Alabama wants to go back to running the ball more, that doesn't seem like a good fit to me. Um... And they have an overhyped secondary that, you know, if you're asking me, Kool-Aid McKinstry is half as good as most of the mainstream sports media would have you believe. Thank and you. And they are starting a true freshman opposite him at corner this year who is just going to get bullied. So, with that being said, I've got Alabama much closer to nine wins than actually winning a national title, let alone a conference. I think we, we're kind of both in the same boat thinking that they're more likely to be second or third in the SEC West than actually winning the division. Yes, absolutely. I, it's not, yeah. You know, if Jalen Miller comes out next week and throws for 500 yards and six touchdowns, I might look into, I might look into buying some Alabama stock. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where you're going to have to prove me wrong before I consider it. Yeah, there has to be something more there than just almost choking away against A&M at home. Yeah. And where the only reason A&M lost that game is because Alabama's defense knew that they were going to throw the potential touchdown to Evan Stewart because Jimbo literally ran down the field yelling, throw it to Evan. And just that, uh, and he had what two or three chances at it too, and still fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jimbo. Um, yeah, thanks, Jimbo. So, what I think is really interesting is that in third place for national title odds in the preseason is Ohio State, who comes in over Michigan. Ohio State is plus six eighty, and Michigan is plus eight sixty. Um, and I personally think it's a joke that Ohio State lost their Heisman contender quarterback last season and is coming off back-to-back losses against Michigan, not making their conference title game, blowing a late uh, two pos- three-possession lead against Georgia in the Peach Bowl, and are currently third favorites to win the national title this year. 
while Michigan, who is plus 860, is returning everyone. Especially on offense. Everyone. Everyone. Quarterback, running back, wide receivers, most of the offensive line. Secondary. Oh, I mean, linebacker. I mean, it's, it's again, quite literally anybody worth the damn. Well, not everybody, but mostly everybody that's worth the damn is back. And I will say odds are influenced by who people are putting their money on. So Alabama at 560 is because a lot of people are putting their money on Alabama. Ohio State at 680 is because a lot of people are putting their money on Ohio State. Well, with Michigan, I mean, there's a shit ton of alumni and, like, Walmart Michigan fans out there, like me, that I would think that that Michigan number would be, you know, not 860. That's disrespectful. Yeah, no, I was literally just about to say, but it blows my mind that more people are not putting money on Michigan. Yeah. Damn, 860, shoot. 860. Um, to me, that's disrespectful. And, you know, depending on if Jimbo coaches games early in the season, I still don't know what the verdict is on that. Um, like, I really think that their national title odds should just be on a bulletin board. Like, take mm-hmm. down the beat Georgia sign because you're not doing that anytime soon with the way that your team acts. And put up the national title odds. Be like, Georgia, Alabama, who's returning nobody. They're bottom 10% of the country in returning production. Ohio State. Ohio State that you beat the, sh- beat the shit out of twice. Yeah. Their house yeah, and that. your house, back-to-back years, beat the shit out of them. They're favored above you. Mm-hmm. Like, lose these people some money. Please. So, conference title odds. I a couple interesting ones here. Um, obviously, Georgia is the favorite to win the SEC this year. They're actually minus money. Um, I think it's minus two-something. So you'd have to put... Oh, Yeah, you'd wow. have to put like $2 and some change in to win $1. To me, that's just not, not, not worth not it. Not worth it. Yeah. Um, so we'll get past that. Next is Alabama, then LSU, so... You know, if you're real high on LSU, you have money to make there. Um, but as a Georgia podcast, I'm high on LSU, but I'm not cracked out on the streets of San Francisco high on LSU. Shit, not everyone. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> man, okay. <laughs> So, for the Pac-12, a couple interesting things here. You can get plus 310 odds on Washington. And I think I explained this last year, but plus and minus is if it, like, for plus 310, if you bet a dollar, you would win $3.10. If they're minus 310, you would have to bet $3.10 to win a dollar. So, just a quick down and dirty explanation of what actually odds mean here. But Washington is plus 310 to win the conference, which may get you some money. I may put a little bit on Washington just because of how high I am on them this year. If you Mm -hmm. like Oregon, they also come in at plus 310 odds. If you want to base it on the last couple of years, Utah comes in at plus 510 odds, which is wild considering that they won the last last two Pac-12 titles. Um, And if you hate defense and love losing money, USC has plus 206 odds. 
Hmm. Yeah, that Washington one seems good, but hell, damn, Pac-12 is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. It's, yeah. it's a shame that Pac-12 after dark is done after this year. Yes. No, this is going to be a good final year of Pac-12 after dark. Um, personally, for the Pac-12, Washington is probably going to get a little bit of my money for their odds. Um, I may put a little tiny little baby bet on Utah just because of the history they have there. Um, mm-hmm. I am in no way, shape, or form putting any money on USC. Especially after what we saw yesterday. Good lord. Correct. And I Good actually lord. got these odds at about 4 o'clock this afternoon. So mm. this, oh, so this, probably got worse. Yes. Or they got these had longer rounds. adjusted no, yeah. from the games we saw yesterday. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The Big 12, Texas is minus odds favorite, so you would have to bet. That's... Correct. You would have to, I yeah. think they're minus 126, so you'd have to bet a dollar 26 to, uh, or no, they're minus 101, so you'd have to bet a dollar and a penny to win a dollar. Um, that's just under even, so, mm-hmm. you know, your, your choice there. I don't. I don't really have much that I. I mean, I'm not putting money on Texas to win the Big Twelve this year. Um, no. The other picks we had to play in the Big Twelve title game: Texas Tech at plus nine ninety. Wait, so, that's just the play in the title game, not not even to no, win that's it. That's to win it. Be there. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I thought we froze Sorry. for a second. No, no, no. This is this is to win the game. Um, oh, okay, okay. So Texas Tech is plus nine ninety, and Oklahoma is plus three fifty to win. But if you want to go based off of last year and a team that uh, Connor talked about last week, he thinks a lot of people are sleeping on. Kansas State is plus five hundred. They actually come in at third to win the conference this year. Um, I was Oklahoma second though. Like after what they went six and seven last year. Like do again. Like I think we talked about it last week. Are we sure that Skeletor is that good of a head coach? It's the name. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's the same thing. You know that crim- that crimson color, man. Same thing that gets you know USC all the all the money. Same thing gets Alabama all the money. Same thing gets Ohio State all the money. It's mm. you know. There's a name out there, and people that don't necessarily pay as close of attention love to put money on it. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a reason why they have, you know, all these casinos and all, you know, a big old fucking eye in the middle of the desert. Yeah. They don't build billion-dollar casinos in the desert for no reason. Right. Yep. Um, for the Big 12, while I like the odds on Oklahoma. I still think Texas is probably going to win. And because of that, I'm probably not putting any money on them. I just, the big 12 is one of those conferences where I have such little confidence in anything working like it should Mm -hmm. that I rarely bet on their games unless it is a, you know, a parlay money line where it's like Oklahoma's playing Louisiana Monroe or something. Um, 
It's like a it's it's a more talented like maxion type shit. Like nothing goes as it should. Yes. It's fun. Yes. But I would I would put I would put a little bit on Texas Tech. Fuck it. I mean they're my like I said, my bandwagon team, so why not? Plus nine ninety. Jeez. Yeah, dude, if you, you know, one. if you put a hundred dollars on Texas Tech and they win the conference, you're getting nine hundred and ninety dollars. It might be worth it. Maybe. Might be worth it. Mm-hmm. So the ACC is extremely top heavy this season. Um, Clemson is plus one fifty four, meaning if you bet a dollar, you win a dollar fifty four. And Florida State is plus one sixty six. The next closest team to Clemson and Florida State, UNC at plus one thousand seventy five. <laughs> To think that we almost both went with UNC to make the ACC championship game <laughs> before Connor verified that. And it Probably. honestly, you know, little inside the park baseball here. When he said he had to look it up too, it made me feel a lot less dumb. Because I wasn't even so sure about it. I'm like, oh, I, th- I thought I did, but maybe not. Maybe I was thinking for next year or for, you know, for 2024. So I wasn't positive about it either. Yes, I thought I'd read it, and then I couldn't find it when I attempted to look it up, so I just went with the normal division stuff. And to be fair, Google still has ACC standings yes. in divisions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just throwing that out there makes me feel a little less stupid. Google needs to be better. Yes, you're a multi-billion dollar. You have a GDP higher than half the countries in the world. You can do better. Probably more than that, shit. <laughs> But yeah, so the ACC, I, I mean, I if, big if here, I was going to put money on a team to win a conference, I would say Florida State. I You know, as far as the ACC goes. But, you know, I said it last week, we're going to try and be a little bit more uh, obvious with who we're actually putting our money on. I will probably put a little bit of money on Washington just because of the confidence I have in them this season. That's probably it, just because I need I need some pretty good odds to uh, yeah. to actually put season long bets on. So that's the only the only the only season long like season win total I put a bet on last year was Florida on the under. I was so happy when it hit. <laughs> Exhilarating when they lost Florida State. In a game that Florida State should have beat the shit out of them in too. Mm-hmm. They almost choked away. That's why I'm not I, I keep going back to that. I'm that's why I'm not super confident in Florida State. Not against LSU, not not to win the ACC. None of that. Like just because they could have very well been eight and four last year. Yeah. Yeah. I just you know, I know I didn't talk a lot about it last week, but for Florida State, they have one of the better potential defensive lines. They have good skill talent on the offensive side of the ball. I think they finally put it together as a team mentality. Um, So I still think Florida State's going to win the ACC this year, and based on Clemson's performance in the Shane Beamer's favorite child bowl, give me Florida State over Clemson. Maybe not when they play at Clemson, but the second time around. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking Florida State. I don't know. I'm just a Garrett Riley believer. 
I mean, he's not the head coach. I don't, you know, again, don't necessarily trust O'Reilly as a head coach. But <laughs> I, going outside the program, going outside the cult to uh, get some, like, fresh perspective and ideas in there is going to be good for uh, that program. I think I mentioned it last week, too. Davo's not an X's and O's guy. He's, a, again, a CEO of, of a, a mega church. Um, just kind of, you know, running running the business, running all that. Not really, just more of the face of the program than anything. Garrett Riley's going to help out significantly with that because they're still talented. But I, don't know, I, I feel I feel more comfortable with uh, Clemson than I do Florida State. I just question how much Dabo is actually going to allow someone to control half of his team. He better if you want. Well, I mean, he's not going to get fired because without him, Clemson's nothing. But <sighs> yeah, I just. I just have little to no faith in Dabo at this point. It's more. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, honestly, I'm not super comfortable with either of them, but if I had to pick, it would still be Clemson, I guess. A lot of my picks last week were who do I have the least amount of faith in instead of the mm-hmm. most amount of faith in? And, yeah. and Dabo lost it for me when he kept trying to make DJ Uyungle a thing. Ooh, nice. He he lost the faith when he said that, you know, they weren't going to go into the transfer portal, and then he lost even more when he said that, and a week later got somebody out of the transfer portal. I just... Prove me wrong. I would be glad for you to pl- prove me wrong, especially consider Clemson and Georgia have a home-and-home series coming up over the next few years. Mm-hmm. I would well, I think they play next year in Atlanta, right? Yes. And then yeah. 25 and 27 or 26 and 27, it's a home and home. Prove, please prove me wrong. Yeah. But until, until proven otherwise, I, that's just kind of where I'm at. Just eh. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the ACC in general. Eh, <laughs> eh. That's fair. It's like the Pac-12, but less offense. Yeah, offensive. So, season over-under win totals, this is one of the parts of the doing this episode that I actually had a lot of fun with. Um, all these are off of FanDuel, um, because my bookie, I couldn't find them this year. Maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, because I wanted to put some with my bookie, you know, yeah. wink, wink, nudge, nudge, love to be, for y'all to be a sponsor. Shoot. Oh, dude, I took some money from my bookie with my season win total over-unders last year. That's why they don't do it. You made them broke. I put six season, like, over-unders. I put six bets in last year and won five of them. Woo! Mississippi State fucked me. Mississippi State pushed is why they fucked me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, they make it they make it difficult now. Yes. Um, so Wisconsin. They're they're my top one that I have right now. Their season win total is set at eight and a half. I think it used to be at nine, so it came down a little bit too. If it came down once again, ding ding ding, star this one. I think there's I think their floor, if they have little to no injuries this year, is nine wins. Mm-hmm. Hammer the over on Wisconsin's eight and a half, 
win total, in my opinion. I think they have a potential of 10 wins, maybe 11, depending on how they play. If they Ooh. play to their full potential, I can see them winning 11 games. I don't see them beating Ohio State. But I see, like, a floor of nine. And So you're that big of a believer in the Dairy Road? I'm that big of a believer in Tanner Mordecai and their skill talent. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin has perennial, perennially had a top 10 defense. That's not much of a question. But Tanner Mordecai and their skill position talent has me seeing nine wins minimum. I like it. So, Florida State, I know we talked about them a second ago. I know Mike's not as high on Florida State as I am. But I think they only have really two losable games on the regular season schedule. And that's not saying they will lose them. I'm saying that is the closest that they have to potential to a losing those games. The difficulty is their season win total is set at 9.5. So if they underperform in those games, you have a half-game buffer, which is not yeah. ideal. Yeah. Um, it's... It's probably not one that I will put money on, but I'm I have a feeling that I will regret not putting money on it at the end of the year. If so if they go under that, like let's say like seven wins, like are they gonna get rid of their coach? Are they gonna get rid of uh, Norvell? I think they're gonna take a real hard look at it. Yeah, I mean he's put together a great, you know, recruiting class for twenty four, you know, thus far, but he put together a great recruiting class last year. He got a ton of transfers in. He's got the coordinators he wants. He has the facilities. He has the recruiting budget. They've just got to be shown on the field for an entire season that he knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. Yeah. So, Kentucky. I will say Kentucky is one of the sketchier ones on my list. Um, And that's just because they have a over-under at 7.5. I think Kentucky has a ceiling of 10-2, but I also think they have a floor of 6-6. And And the problem is the offensive line. I think Kentucky checks the box at every single position group that you can find outside of the offensive line. So if they are better this year, hammer the over seven and a half. But if their offensive line is not better this year, they're not winning seven games. Mm. The, the SEC is too good. Even, this is a little bit of Florida love here, even with Florida having little to no skill talent at the quarterback position. Their defensive front seven is still pretty good. Yeah. And if they can get home to the quarterback, don't don't even try. It it'll be it'll be interesting. Like you said, like the, the Kentucky skill uh skill position guys are Maybe the best that Mark Stoops has had in his time there, which is really really saying something. With you know, we talked about Ray Davis a lot um, last week, but and it's just odd that they're really the question marks are on either line. So yeah, it's, that's 
like you said, like ten and two, very realistic. But six and six, same thing. I mean, I don't think either of us would be shocked if either of those outcomes happen. Yes, absolutely. I'm. I'm not putting money on Kentucky, but I do think it's interesting. And mm-hmm. if I still have the option to make this bet after the first couple of weeks of the season, and the offensive line is performing well, I might do it. Hmm. I mean, they always play a pretty shitty uh, out-of-conference schedule, and that includes Louisville, which uh, it probably isn't going to be bad this year under uh, Jeff Brom, it being his first year. But, yeah, it's so tough. I, yeah, I wouldn't touch that. It's, it's just too vol- uh, volatile. The deviation between floor and ceiling is way way too high uh, for me. Yes. No, I agree. And when I do season win totals, I count – Definite wins and maybe wins. Mm-hmm. And if I need definite wins to be right at the number and to feel good about some, like, I need to have two or three maybe wins that I feel really good about to push me over the edge. Yeah. All right, so this, this, All right. I was about to say, these next couple are yours, so I'll let okay. you take it. Um, so, um, so first, I'm going to hammer Florida. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, hammer go with Ole Miss under, here. Maybe. What's that? Hammer their under, maybe. Yeah, I mean, they won me money last year, like I was talking about, but no, I'm not going to touch that. I think they're – it's five and a half for Florida. Just and This is – for the record, this is not my pick, but – I, I wouldn't touch that either, but I could see them going under. But, I, yeah, uh, I think five and a half is perfect for that team. Like the question is, like, do you think that Florida can go to a bowl game? And that is how far they've fallen since you know, Urban Meyer and Tebow and all them were uh, were there. So even uh, Jim McElwain winning back to back East titles, but uh, okay. All right, but anyway. All right, so uh, my first pick, Ole Miss over seven and a half. Uh, the odds are uh, minus one fourteen uh, for that, so it's I mean, it's pretty much even, you know, over under for them. Uh, even if they lose against Bama, LSU, Georgia, and Tulane, they're going to win the rest of their games, in, in my opinion. That will get that. That will still get them to eight wins. But uh, if you listen last week and even the week before, like I'm free basing Ole Miss. Like I'm I'm thinking that they. Definitely steal one against one or both LSU and Bama. I think definitely one of them for sure. And probably not going to beat Georgia because it is in Athens, of course. But again, with, with all that put together and then, you know, Tulane is going to be a really interesting game. Seven and a half is, is really low. And they were my pick to make it to the SEC championship. So for that, that to work out, they have to get over seven and a half wins. So Ole Miss, my first one. I actually really I like it a lot. Like star this one for I'm probably putting money on it. And one of the reasons that I have even more confidence in this one is that their backup quarterback situation is potentially the best in the mm-hmm. country. Like, oh no, Jackson Dart went down. We have Will Howard and Spencer Sanders waiting on the bench. For their number to get called. Yeah. It, there's, and they're, I mean, they're, they play Georgia Tech, their East crossover game besides Georgia's Vanderbilt. 
um, as it typically is. So like it, it's very, very doable. If they get under seven and a half, then again, you have to look at is Lane right you know, for this? Because if not now, again, when? I don't know. All right. Um, all right. So next up, again, my other bandwagon team, because I couldn't talk about Ole Miss, is, is uh, that, is uh, Texas Tech. And their over is, is uh, seven and a half. And I didn't write down the odds for that, but I think it's, again, it's even either way. Um, but they're, uh, they're, like I mentioned a lot before, especially the last two weeks, they have a really fun schedule and a great uh, offense over there in Lubbock. Jesus. Uh, they, uh, they don't have a particularly tough stretch on the schedule. I mean, they kind of alternate games between, you know, games they should win and toss ups. I mean, they don't really have a, like a, um, like a, uh, a stretch of death or like, you know, a group of death kind of like talking about like world cup type stuff there. But, um, like I said, they don't have a, a really like rough stretch really. And, uh, they finished the season against Texas, but they also don't play Oklahoma, which is going to be big for them. Um, so they, and I don't, I, I, I don't know. That's my next team. Never mind. But seven and a half with as, as high as I am on Texas, uh, Texas tech, with their fun schedule, and then again, not having a super tough stretch, like I would, I would definitely put a little bit on that. Yeah, no, I I agree. Over seven and a half, I I think is I think is an easy bet, just because of how much they return, um, mm-hmm. and how good the offense is, and they do have a very favorable schedule, at least the way that it lines up. Like they never have back to back tough games. I, and I believe too that they, I think they go to West Virginia, which West Virginia might go winless. They're not, they're not a good team. They're going to fire Mike Brown or uh, their coach, you know, Brown, whatever. But um, it, it's just, I think they play at Houston too, and Houston's probably going to fire their coach. So it, it's very, very favorable for uh, for Texas Tech. Um, all right, so then my last like official one, and I have one other one I'll kind of throw in there at the end is Oklahoma State over six and a half wins. All right, so it, it you know obviously didn't go very well for Oklahoma State last year, but since Mike Gundy started or as a uh, head coach in uh, 2005, his team has won at least seven games every year. So like 2005, I think it was four and eight. Every year after that is at least seven wins and really flirting with double-digit wins pretty much every year. Um. Uh, his first year, like I said, first year at uh, uh, Oklahoma State, he won four games. Uh, their out-of-conference schedule is atrocious, but again, keep in mind, they did lose at home against Central Michigan, chips, uh, fire-up chips, um, a couple years ago. So it's not out of the, uh, the question that they you know choke that shit away, but out-of-conference is bad. Uh, they don't play Texas, they don't play TCU, and they don't play Texas Tech. They do play Oklahoma, but realistically they're only like really really tough game in uh in conferences oklahoma and again i know you're higher on on, uh, oklahoma than i am but you know i'm really really thinking that oklahoma state's gonna have a good bounce back here even without having spencer sanders there so um like i said home games are all winnable and they also they host oklahoma uh in stillwater in the final edition of bedlam and this is actually my favorite bet of anything that we've talked about. So I would like lock this to fucking right now. I'm here for it. I, you know, as much as I have questions about that team, Oklahoma State is still one of my favorite teams to watch week in, week out, as long as 
there's not like a big SEC game on. There are a lot of times on at noon for whatever reason it is. But <clears throat> Mike Gundy's offense is always great to watch. Yeah. Doesn't matter who's throwing the ball. Doesn't matter who's catching the ball. But it's always a ton of fun. Mm. Um, I do have an honorable mention. Sweet. And that's my bandwagon team. Yeah, let's go. The over-under is nine and a half. Right? Mm -hmm. They have nine for sure, 100%, no questions asked, wins. And who's your bandwagon team again? Washington. That's right. Okay. The three question marks, Oregon at home, Mm -hmm. at USC, and Utah at home. I like the USC matchup to call yeah. it 10. Just because USC doesn't play defense and against Michael Penix in an air raid offense. I don't don't have much of a question about that, but you know, eight weeks into the season we'll see where that is. But the like point wise, hammer that over right now. Yes, absolutely. Whatever if, I, if it were over the over hammered. could be ninety five. I'm still yeah. taking it. Hmm. Utah plays really good defense most of the time. We saw that last year when they beat uh, USC in the Pac-12 championship game, only gave up 23 points to the Heisman-winning quarterback, Caleb Williams, for USC. Utah is the biggest question mark. Hmm. Oregon gave up a lot of points. They don't have as much returning as Washington does. And... They don't have Kenny Dillingham. I may change my tune when we get to week six or five. That's week. No, that's week six. I went to Georgia Public Schools. I don't count well. Um, when we get to I can attest six, to that. The uh, never mind. When we get to week six, I may have a different tune. But I think eleven and two is not, or eleven and one is not out of the question for Washington this year. Especially mm-hmm. with Oregon coming to Washington to play that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. So we'll go ahead and say Washington is another good one at nine and a half. Yeah, there we go. I like that. Um, oh, one other thing before I throw in my honorable mention about Oklahoma State. I think I missed this because I started talking and then didn't actually read the outline. <laughs> so it talked about they don't play Texas TCU or Texas Tech. Uh, they play at Iowa State week four, which, again, you, playing in names usually is, is difficult, but they're going to be dealing with the suspension stuff at that point, I would assume, especially, you know, if they're going to, this is kind of the first real instance of dealing with like kind of gambling, at least in the college football, you know, landscape as we know it now with uh, it being readily available pretty much everywhere. So Iowa State's not going to be, I mean, they weren't going to be good anyway this year, but they'd probably be even worse. Um, and they go to, like I talked about, they do go to West Virginia and Houston. So, like, their away games in, the, in conference are just atrocious. Iowa State, West Virginia, and Houston. So, again, I would hammer the shit out of this, out of this, uh, out of this over for them. But um, last thing before we get to Florida, Utah, my uh, my honorable mention, just because we, I think we did all overs between the two of us. Um, an under that I'm, I really like is uh, UNC under eight and a half. Uh, the uh, uh, Vegas, Vegas seems to expect it because they put it uh, the odds at minus one fifty. 
so they think it's way more likely than uh, the over, which is at plus 122. Um, obviously, Drake May is awesome. He's fun to watch. He's, you know, you know going, what, going into his sophomore year. I mean, he's, you know, going to be a Heisman contender, you know, this year, next year, and so on. But uh, the defense makes USC's defense look elite. I mean, you know, sorry, Gene, but it's not, not, not looking great for them. And the schedule is fucking brutal. So they go, they, uh, of course, they start the season against South Carolina in Charlotte, App State, known uh, Giant Killers, of course, last year with Texas, uh, Texas A&M, and uh, some other team I won't mention. But, um, <laughs> and they also play Minnesota, which, <clears throat> Minnesota, I mean, is a pretty mid-program anyway, but it's better than at least half of the, <laughs> half of the uh, ACC, so that could be a tough game. I think it is in Chapel Hill, though. But they also go to Pittsburgh, go to Clemson, and go to NC State in ACC play. So eight and a half, I would, again, Vegas thinks it's more likely that they're going to go under. I would go under as well, just for if anyone is uncomfortable with doing all these overs. There's an under for you. There you go. I really like that one, too. Yeah. Um, it, it is kind of odd they're having a game with Minnesota. I guess it, two, two kind of mid-teams from two big conferences, but... Still kind of odd. Um, yeah. So at the end here, we are going to do a little bit of Florida-Utah talk just to kind of get the ball rolling for our uh, our preview on or our watch party on Thursday, just kind of get some numbers out of the way. Um, so Florida's returning 54% of their production from last season, coming in at 107th in the country. Utah, on the other hand, is 16th in the country with 76% of their production coming back this season. Graham Mertz is starting under center for Florida and brings in 5,405 career passing yards. This is three full seasons as a starter, by the way. 38 touchdowns and 26 interceptions. He also adds negative 21 rushing yards and eight rushing touchdowns on the ground. Um, while on Utah's side of the ball, Cam Rising may or may not play into this game just because he tore his ACL in the bowl game, but because he's a tough motherfucker and a baller, we're going to say that Cam Rising is playing in this game because as of right now, we still don't know. Um, but as two years starter... He brings in 5,572 passing yards, 46 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and he adds 953 rushing yards and nine touchdowns in two seasons. So you put a couple of notes in here because you dug a little bit deeper than I did, but the Salt Lake Tribune reported a few weeks ago that walk-on junior quarterback Bryson Barnes is the backup quarterback I guess that really depends on who is starting the game based on that mm. information. I would say that even if he has to go out there on one of those one knee scooters, Cam Rising is probably still playing in this game. Mm. Just I mean they're so they're so Utah's actual backup quarterback, he, he went down with an injury during fall camp, so he's at least out for the uh out for the Florida game, so that's why I kinda dug into that a little bit more. Uh Bryson Barnes is a pretty big guy. Um, from it, the way the way his height was written was weird, but um, but still, I mean, he's a walk-on quarterback. Um, in general, that's not usually a good thing, unless you know you're obviously from like Blackshirt, Georgia. But right. um, 
it's, it's going to be tough. Now, that, that was a couple of weeks ago. That was like mid, mid-August that the uh, Salt Lake Tribune had said that. But um, uh, Cam Rising has played kind of off and on. He hasn't been like consistently playing with the ones. Like they're not necessarily splitting it. I think they did say Cam Rising is getting more time with the ones than, uh, than Bryson Barnes, which is good thing for uh you know the Utes and you know the eventual hopeful hopeful blowout of Florida which we'll talk about in a second but um yeah it'll be interesting to see hopefully we you know get some more news the next couple days about it yeah so I'm hopeful Cam Rising plays just because I Mm -hmm. really think he is a uh, phenomenal quarterback and a hell of a fun guy to watch play football but the line for this game is currently Utah favored by seven points with the over-under at 46.5. And, and straight money line, Utah's favored at minus 265. So, I just a couple of initial thoughts. Um, I really like Utah's defense against Florida's offense. I think that is a phenomenal matchup for uh, Utah's defense. Um where I do have a couple of questions is going to be Utah's offensive line against Florida's defensive front seven, just because, like I said earlier, I think Florida does have an okay front seven. Um, But if Utah runs with any sort of tempo, I think it's going to be difficult for Florida to keep up just because, A, they are at elevation, and, B, Florida's defensive line is known to be very large and not so well-conditioned. Um, yeah, so play, playing in the altitude is not is not conducive to being big and not, not necessarily out of shape, but not having the uh, cardio endurance that uh, that you would need for that. Yeah, and there's no way there's no way to prepare for altitude like there is to prepare for heat or cold or wet. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just be like, "Hey, turn the oxygen down in the building." Like it's not a thing. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I don't necessarily want to give a pick right now just because we are going to be uh, doing, some, doing some coverage of this game, if you want to call it that. But I do think this is going to be a very interesting matchup with uh, good versus good and, you know, questionable versus questionable. I also, man... As someone who has tried to do um, athletic things at elevation, it's a motherfucker. I've never done it, man. I can't. I can't speak to it. But I mean, there's I a, there's a reason go, why. Like, I, you know, if you watch NBA games, that you know, when when teams go to Denver, they struggle quite a bit. Not because the teams obviously kick ass, but being a mile high, even like when they do games like Mexico City, like NFL games, where it's even higher than. Uh, like Denver and Salt Lake and all that. It's tough. Yeah, so I tried to um, do some hiking on the Continental Divide a number of years ago. Um, outside of Denver, it's 14,000 feet, which is a lot higher elevation than Salt Lake City is. And we're at sea level right now. Um, yes. No, my house is quite literally 43 feet above sea level. So... Yeah. Um, but no, so I tried to do a little bit of a hike on the Continental Divide, 14,000 feet. Kicked my ass. I'm saying like five steps and take a break. And then um, Bagram in Afghanistan was 5,600 feet. 
and tried to uh, tried to run on a treadmill when I was there for a few days. Not not great, not easy. Actually, very difficult. Um, so I have some experience trying to do athletic things at elevation, and I I think that uh, I think Florida's going to struggle quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. Yeah, but we'll we'll save the actual official picks for uh, what Wednesday, right? Yes, we're doing picks on Wednesday. We we are because Georgia's playing UT Martin, um, and it's UT Martin. We are actually having Will Ogburn back on to talk LSU Florida State with us because that really is the uh, marquee matchup of Week One. So we're really excited for that. But. Don't forget about Thursday. We are doing the watch party of Florida, Utah. There's going to, you know, as much shit as I talk, I will do my best to actually have an intelligent uh, covering of the game because I feel like a lot of times on here I talk shit instead of actually, you know, it's a combination of talking shit and being intelligent. So, so I'll try to tone the talking shit down a little bit. Uh, but we will still have fun. The comments in the live stream will be open, so that'll be a lot of fun. But yeah. uh, Twitter at FinderPod or X, whatever you want to call it. Um, Instagram and Threads at nothing.finder.pod. Facebook and YouTube, just search us there. Recent episodes have been going up on YouTube, so if you want to watch, you can't make the stream. Check us out on YouTube. Um, rate and review the show. Give us five Please. stars. Send us a screenshot. We'll give you a sticker. All that fun stuff. Um, check us out on Millions. Follow us there. We will be doing some cool stuff for them. Moving forward, go follow Millions.co on, and it's dot spelled out, on Instagram and Twitter slash X. Um, mm-hmm. Because they will be sharing a lot of our reels and stuff moving forward, so we're really excited about that. But... As always, guys, remember, there is nothing finer in the land. I'm John Knox's Georgia fan. Third and a mile. Duggan from the two will throw it all the way across the field. It's picked up by Mulroney. Mulroney got it again. I bet it to throw. Lobs it to the right corner. There's McConkey. He got on his donkey and made a sliding catch.